You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowenson, and it won't be an Aston Villa versus Everton match preview without me mentioning that this is the most played fixture in English football. So let's get that out of the way, first of all. Everton are unbeaten in all competitions so far this season, whilst Aston Villa are yet to lose at Villa Park. Today I'm joined by Patrick Rowe and David Hughes. So gents, how are we? I'm good, thank you. I'll be better if we win on Saturday, though. <laughs> yeah, and, and David, you surely won't want to hear that. Uh, how are you, mate? You are right? Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be the opposite of Villa win on Saturday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm really good, thanks. And, uh, you know, it's always good to come on these podcasts, Dan. You know, I'm not just saying, I genuinely enjoy it. So cheers, <laughs> mate. No, thanks very much for coming on. Um, let's get stuck into it then. We'll start from, from the Villa end. Um, Dean Smith's had his press conference this morning. Pat, as we always say on these previews, we don't learn a massive amount from Dean Smith's <laughs> press conferences, which is you know, Villa's prerogative. They don't have to come out and give away everything. Uh, the main talking point, I guess, is, is the two Emmys from Argentina who don't report back to Villa until tomorrow morning um, due to the COVID restrictions and, and quarantining in Croatia. So we can probably afford Buendia not getting in there, seeing as we've got so many creative options up front. But Martinez is the big one, isn't it? Would you expect him to come straight back in and start? And if you were the boss, he turns up at nine o'clock tomorrow, does he play at half five on the same day after not training with the squad all week? And, and do you stick with Steer? How would you assess that? Um, I backed Steer before the Chelsea game, but I'm going to be honest, he didn't fill me with too much confidence going into <laughs> the, in the Chelsea game. But um, I think they've been training over in Croatia, so I would be, as long as it's not like really late notice before the uh, game on Saturday, I would be putting Martinez back in, but maybe you can afford to not play Buendia straight away, maybe give him half an hour at the end of the game or something mm-hmm. to play Troyore and Bailey that have been around the team for the past few weeks. I think Martinez is too important not to include, isn't it? That they knew when they went away to international duty, they kind of targeted Everton that they missed international games with Argentina to come back for this game. So, you know, even with him getting back tomorrow morning, it should still be the plan that you go straight in there. Um, David, obviously, you you are an Everton fan, but we'll, we'll, we'll ask your opinions kind of as a neutral as well. If this was a, an Everton situation, would, would your number one goalkeeper be coming straight back in, even if they only arrived back at training on match day? Uh, for me personally, yeah, I think it's such an important position. Uh, mm. I think if you look at the impact Martinez has had over the last 12 months, it's been massive, hasn't it, really? You know, turned what was a little bit of a problem position for Villa into one of the strongest, really, uh, mm. seeing on displays last season. So I think that the confidence and trust that he's gained from his teammates, from the manager, I think he's the type of profile that if you can get him back into the side, he needs to go back in. Um you know, especially given the position as well, goalkeeper. Um, it's the intricacies in terms of like play and you know what happens outfield isn't really as applicable. You know, it's a little bit more straightforward as a role, isn't it? Being the goalkeeper, you know, you've got to <laughs> you've got to keep the ball out of your net. So yeah, that, I think if if that was my decision, I'd be I'd be bringing them back in, um, irrespective of the circumstances. As always, later on in the show, we'll try and put a Villa 11 together. But as we were last week, Pat, we were kind of second-guessing everything. You actually predicted a three at the back formation last week against Chelsea. Yeah. And I sat here and said, oh, don't talk, talk rubbish. <laughs> and that's what we went with. So we'll come to you for your wisdom later. Um, from the Everton's perspective, David, before we get stuck into the, the kind of meat and bones of what Everton are this season and what kind of style of player they've got, Tell us a little bit about Rafa Benitez. So obviously, Benitez come into a little bit of a hostile uh, environment. I must say, I think it was... There was definitely a portion of the fan base that didn't want him for sure. Um, mm. But 
Uh, I do think it was maybe uh, amplified a little bit by the media. I think there was plenty you could see some some benefits of bringing them in. Um, the, the obvious ones was he's a really good coach, really good tank tactician. Uh, I think if you look at Ancelotti, huge name, very successful manager, but I immediately had reservations. You know, we talked about it on the um, one of the analyzing event shows that we do for the Liverpool Echo um, at the time when he come in. There was a fear that, you know, had he, had he worked on a project like Everton's before, uh, if he had it, it hadn't been for a very long time. I think he's a great man-manager. Everybody talks about him being a fantastic man-manager. I think when you have the very best players, that's all you need to be. You just need to manage the egos, create a good dressing room, and those players will go out and, and be the best. And Everton, Everton don't have that. You know, similar size club to Villa. You know, good players, but not fantastic players across the board. And... I think Evan would really benefit and are benefiting from having a better coach. Uh, and that's what Benitez is. He's a better coach of players. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a better tactician as well, if I'm being brutally honest. And I think he just gets more out of this group. Um, and although we're very early days, don't want to make any sort of sweeping statements. I think I think you're seeing that from the start that Evan have made that he's you know he's the type of player who plays the type of coach you can't just get an extra 10 or 20 percent out of this side how do you assess Everton Pat because David already has made a comparison between the two clubs I think I think fans seemingly online anyway seem to have this bit of a soft spot for each other the comparisons in in like the family feel of the clubs the size Mm -hmm. of the clubs um you know like I said at the start of this it's the most played fixture so we've both been around for for a long time as well uh how do you assess Everton it feels to me like Rafa Benitez is a better fit for them than than Ancelotti would have been uh yeah it's a bit of an enigma to be to be honest when I look at like Mm. the stats surrounding Everton so obviously they've got the results but you know like They've got the second least amount of possession in the league and they've still managed to like churn out these results. I think they're unbeaten in four, had a similar start last season. It's, it is quite impressive how they've done it, to be honest. But obviously, without DCL in the team, it's going to be... I think he's got... I think he averages 1.13 expected goals like a game, which is the most in the league. So like having that kind of threat up front and losing that is obviously going to impact them and it could change the game on Saturday, to be honest. If you kind of look at... The recruitment in the summer, um, it looked like Everton were going to basically play to to his strengths, which is you know obviously as he should be. Uh, but you've got a player who's fantastic in the air, one of the best really in that position across the Premier League. Um, you brought in two solid wide men. Demi uh, Gray started really well, Andros Townsend raised a lot of eyebrows. But to be fair to him, he looks really motivated to do a good job, and and he's been doing it so far. So you've kind of recruited a little bit to get the best the best out of this player and then suddenly he's you know he's not available for these first few fixtures. So it's a big blow. Um because he is a striker that gets in really good positions. Pat was just touching on it and there is his underlying numbers are always really good. Uh they were across the course of last season. If anything, there was a little bit of criticism that his, his finishing couldn't quite match it at times. You know, was he was very on par with his uh, with his XG numbers. Um and there's a hope that if he can t- kind of get that more clinical elite level edge, you know, he can start outperforming them, but um, he's still young, that'll come. Uh, but he's a big miss. I think that the, obviously he wasn't available for Monday's game against Burnley, though, and Everton minds to find a way to to overcome Burnley, which I, I thought on paper was going to be a really tricky fixture uh, mm. because, again, it's just been mentioned, but so far Everton haven't really been a team dominating possession. They've been quite happy to sit in, look to, you know, break on the counter in transitions and 
Burnley obviously a team that just give you the ball and, and say come break us down. Uh, so I, I knew that was going to be a tricky fixture, but Everton come away with a three-one win. Um, so I think that that there was some good confidence to be taken from that game and uh, going into this one as well without DCL. Um, and of course, it's worth flagging that Rondon's in and around the squad now. They brought him in. He's not no. a bad option uh, to to medium coming from the start. Who knows? Yeah, I've actually done some notes for change, and I was going to touch on your transfer business, and I'll put raised eyebrows, which is exactly what you just said <laughs> there. So that, that's that's interesting. Um, your start unbeaten in four, beat Southampton, Brighton, Burnley, and drawn to Leeds. So you've not played any of the the elite boys yet. Um, no. Obviously, I'm not saying that Villa are one of those. It's a in a way, it's a kind start, but some difficult games in there, and, and, and Everton have done well. Is Villa the, the toughest game you've you've had so far this season? It is, I feel like this is a game that is a bit of a measure of where both sides are at this season. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely up there. Um, Everton looked okay going forward. You know, I think touch not there, but maybe only City Liverpool have had more shots on target. You know, but the fixtures have been okay. You know, they have been fairly kind, as, as you put it. I thought Leeds was a really difficult fixture. Actually, Leeds away, um, first first time they've had fans in uh, mm. since the return to the Premier League. So that was a really tricky one. Uh, and Everton played really well on that day. On the day, should have probably won the game. Actually, um, Brighton. I thought Brighton was a really good win away at the Amex because again, you know, Brighton a little bit underrated as a side. You know, that the, the team who do a lot of things right and maybe just don't always get on the right side of the results. So I think those two were were, were good. Uh, good results against decent sides, but yeah, Villa away is it is going to be probably the biggest test so far, um, and we'll kind of have an indication of where Everton are at because you got Villa and then I think Man United on the horizon, and maybe not the next game, the one after. Um, so and it, looking at those two games in particular, if you can get results in them. Uh, then you start thinking, okay, what what is the side capable of this year? But it's got to start on Saturday against uh, a tough a tough side in Villa. From that Everton side, who you know, with that with um, Calvert Lewin missing is the obvious answer for who you'd be most concerned about. What's the kind of the key battle in this game? Do you think for, for Villa to come out on top? Well, as you said, like they're without DCL in this one, but um, I think they showed against Burnley that's like not like a one sided team. Like they only have one option. Oh, I think yeah, they changed to a four three three in the. Uh, Burnley game at half time and then changed the game on its head from there. So I think the key battles will be out wide with, like, as you said, Gray and um, Townsend, who have been particularly dangerous so far. But especially Gray, you know, three goals so far in the season, and he's probably in the form of his life. And it's the added thing that he used to play for Blues. <laughs> so he's probably yeah. going to be a bit up for this one. But um, I think Matty Cash has won more tackles than any other defender in the league so far. So if he's on top form, keeping Gray out of the game then I think then uh, probably a bit of all there uh, quite well Is it as simple as that David? Stop the wide men and stop Everton? I don't know if it's as simple as that because um, I think the midfield have done quite well you know I, I wasn't expecting much from kind of I mean Everton's formation has been a bit it, it's it's such a small sample size obviously four games Um Benitez is the type who will, who will quite happily adjust things. So Everton have kind of gone 4-4-2. Then there's like 4-2-3-1. I think they've got 4-3-3 as well. But the uh, Alan and Decore have done have done well this season. Particularly Decore, he's done pretty pretty well through the middle. Um, obviously, we touched on Gray there. He played a fantastic ball leading up to Gray's goal uh, against Burnley. I think he's been one of Everton's star performers this year. So he could, he could have a... Have a telling impact on the game, I guess. Um, 
but you are looking at the wide areas and going, yeah, that that's probably where where the threat's coming from. Um, where Everton are looking quite dangerous. You got two really confident players. Townsend obviously scored a fantastic goal Monday, but he also got the assist from a wide area crossed into Michael Keane. Um, so he's he's flying high confidence wise, and then as touched on by Pat there, Grace, you know, he started life really well at Everton. Um, it's kind of it's easy more those runs, isn't he? Where everything's just going for them, you know. He's he's converting the chances they're going in, where maybe he didn't have that same luck elsewhere. Um, so yeah, if you if you can keep them quiet, maybe do do a number on the Corey as well. I think got a really good chance of, of winning the game. Mentioned the transfer recruitment at the start of this. Villa's transfer recruitment, very, very different strategy to, to Everton. I think you spent you know, a million, two million on Gray and the rest were treat, uh, free transfer. Sorry, Villa going to spend 90 million on a couple of players we've not even seen yet. Which is, <laughs> we don't really know what Villa's best 11 is yet. And we will try and discuss that during this. So, you know, in years gone by, it'd be, well, stop Jack, stop Jack Grealish, stop Villa. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that now. So who's yeah. the kind of who's the kind of danger man or the danger area for Villa? Do you think? I know that Danny Ings and, and Everton, um, he's uh, he scores a few goals against you, doesn't he? Let's just oh, say he that. loves it, loves it genuinely. Yeah, yeah, I think he was at Liverpool for say two or three years, injured for two of them, but still managed to score derby goals. He just uh, <laughs> he, he loves playing Everton. So look, look, I thought Villa's recruitment was really good. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to kind of carry on um, talking about things that you've. You, I imagine cover to the nth degree, uh, but from an outsider looking at, I thought the recruit, recruitment was really good under difficult circumstances. In, in losing Grealish, I think you know you, you can see method, can't you, behind the recruitment. Whereas at Everton, I don't think that's always been the case. Kind of being uh, manager signings, and um, when you're chopping the change of managers, you end up getting this kind of misfit squad. Uh, but Villas has looked really good for a little while now. Brendy was obviously a really good move. Uh, Danny Ings, I think who else? I thought Bailey was a really good move. I wanted Everton to make a move for Bailey. Didn't quite happen. Um, I, I'm right in saying I think Bailey could be available for selection again against Everton. Is that right? Yeah, he's uh, he yeah. came on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes against Chelsea. So he's, he's fit and ready to go now. Yeah, so he's a, he's a concern because I think he's a he's a really good player. Um, he showed that at, at, at Leverkusen. Um, I know at times things went a little bit stale for him, but there was you know factors behind that. Um, I think he could be a problem. So yeah, there's a few names in there that I think, I, I'm, I'm glad Wendy is not available. Um, Sure. Well, I assume he's not going to play. Well, surely not. Yeah, he's he's back with Martinez tomorrow morning. But mm-hmm. because we've got so many options in those forward areas, like me and Pat spoke before the Chelsea game, and we're talking about our best eleven. And I, I don't really know how you fit Wendy into that, which is mm-hmm. is crazy yeah. considering he's the club record transfer. Yeah, Villa um, played three at the back against Chelsea, which, which you, you don't fit Bailey, Wendy, Trezeguet, Traore, El Ghazi into that at all. So mm-hmm. I don't know what Villa are at the moment, really. <laughs> Yeah, Everton had a similar issue actually when um, when they sold Lukaku to United. They um, they sold Lukaku. They had a ton of money. Plus, they were investing anyway, so they spent maybe 130, 140 million. And you're talking this was in 2017, so that's a, a large sum of money. And what there was a little bit too many of the same profiles. Uh, you brought. Uh, Davy Classen from Ajax. Uh, he brought Wayne Rooney, but he didn't bring Wayne Rooney as a number like nine. He would come in as mm-hmm. another ten. I think Nicola Vlasic, who's just gone to West Ham, uh, really good player. Actually, I'm, I'm a, yeah, of the ones that left, I was really disappointed to see him go, and I'm not surprised he's come back to the Premier League. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, you just had too many of those same profiles. It was a little bit difficult to get them in. And then what you started doing is playing them out of position to get them in and you don't see the best from them. And then you start getting unhappy plays and it actually becomes a little bit of a headache as opposed to something that's beneficial to the side. So I'm not saying Villa are in that situation. I still think they've recruited well, but just touching on the point you were both making, I can understand what you're saying. And uh, it can be hard to get everybody in. But are we at risk of just trying to force all these new players and all these new creative signings into the side almost for the sake of it? I was speaking, this is wildly off topic, but kind of kind of relates to a certain extent um, for the job that we're doing. I did a, a video for our Stoke colleague, um, Pete Smith, and he was talking about how they've got four strikers who can almost interweave and all come in and play as, as like first choice as a two. So he's sitting there saying, well, we, we play these, we start with these two, and at 60 minutes, we can swap them both for another two, and you've almost got two different strike forces to play with. Now, right. uh, is there something to be said that you know you've got Danny Ings or Ollie Watkins, and rather than trying to squeeze them both in and force one of them out wide or or force someone to play in a number ten, that you leave Danny Ings there as your 60 minute option to come on and almost play two different styles of play in the same game, or is that almost fantasy land and you you have to play these guys? I don't know. It's, it's difficult, as you said. It's uh, Danny Ings. I don't think he's coming to the club and on the basis that he's going to be sat on the bench. But if you're playing one up front in like a 4-3-3 or something, then as you showed in the first four games, things, I think he goes a bit, not missing because obviously he was grabbing his goals, but it's not his true ability and it's not like what he's capable of, if that makes sense. And I do mm-hmm. think if you're going to play one up top, that Watkins at top on his own is a lot more like involved and dangerous than Ings might be. But then again, Ings is uh, capable of dropping deep. He likes to play with someone up front. So it's about just not shoehorning, but yeah, shoehorning players in to try and get the best out of them. Because I don't think Villa can play like a four-four-two with two in midfield, especially in this game with Decore and um, Alan in midfield. The thing, can I just add on that? The thing that I that stands out for me on that headache between those two is, I think you're right. I think in terms of what Watkins brings to the side beyond the um, converting chances stuff is is probably a little bit more superior to Ings, but Ings is just an elite level finisher, isn't he? He's just proven it now that he's just... You could probably better describe him as maybe a moments player where he could drift through the game for a little while because he's quite dependent on other players around him, but he's the one who just seems to convert the chances on a more consistent, better basis. And that's a headache, isn't it? Because who do you go with there? Do you kind of go the, with the person who's maybe bringing a little bit more to the team over the course of a 90 minutes? Or do you go with the moments players just guaranteed to, you know, take those opportunities when they come? And um, I'd probably be inclined to go with the, the moments player in this situation, which is which is Ings. Not to say that Watkins can't convert. You know, he scored a decent amount of goals last season, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to do him a disservice, but I just think Ings is showing that he's, he's right up with the with the, the elite of the elite um, in terms of his finishing capabilities and yeah again just a little bit of a headache how do you do that do you, have you got to try and find a way to get them both in the side but is that going to harm the harm the starting starting 11 is it going to impact the, the, the kind of tactics elsewhere it's yeah, I don't know if I've got the answer to the top of my head. You lads probably know better than me because you watch Villa every week. That's the thing. It's probably like our system currently isn't pro- like set up to get the best out of Ings, I don't think, because in his 24 goal a season for Southampton, he was getting like 35 touches a game. And I think against Chelsea, he had 14. And that was up front with Watkins. So it was just like, obviously, they haven't found their best team yet, but 
at the moment we're not set up to get the best out of Ings. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, well, we played a three-five-two, didn't we, against Chelsea to, to match them, and uh, we lost three-nil. But in that first half, we were, we were playing well, and you can argue, you can make a case to say, that, you know, that that formation did work, and we, we nullified Chelsea to a certain extent. And you play that to play two up front to get the best out of Danny Ings and to fit him into the side, and you barely get to sniff all game. Yeah, you, and you, you think that's kind of a waste. <laughs> of game. But, but you know, obviously that game is one isolated incident. If you know, if Mendy's not having a, an absolute um, hot streak in goal, then then Villa probably nick a couple of goals in that first half. So. I'm not going to judge everything off the back of that. I have tried to put a, like a strongest 11 graphic together. I'm going to flash it up on screen now. David, I'll get your neutral um, thoughts on this as well. Uh, I'm about to flash it up. I'm looking at it. I, just, I don't even agree with it myself, to be honest. So I've got back four of target, Mings, Conte and Cash. A midfield three, because I don't think Villa can play a two, of McGinn, Ramsey and Louise. And, and Ramsey's really kind of having a, a breakout season at the moment. And I think Ash said on his previous video that, that you know, he's probably saved Villa. 20-odd million there on, on signing another midfielder. Leon Bailey off the right side to, to come in and start games. Ings up front and Watkins off the left. You know, like you said, David, Watkins scored 14 goals last year and if it's not for VAR and hitting the woodwork a few times, that could have been 16-17. And from what Smith said, I just I just don't see him putting Watkins out there on the left. And I think he could do a job there and, and still contribute. But maybe it's not as specific as Watkins as as the left winger, and it's just that he kind of starts out left and, and, and drifts in, and and is expected to track track back a bit. I don't know. It just it just feels like we're we're shoehorning them in for the sake of it. It feels a bit Steve Bruce to me to go. Well, we've got all these creative players. We have to play them all. I mean, it's a long season, isn't it? So I guess you've got what you what you've added really is depth to the squad uh, yeah. with these players, and you know. Without rehashing the same things that you'd, you'd say, the, 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 which is what was talked about when the recruitment was happening in the summer, wasn't it? That obviously without Grealish, there was a huge drop off in the t- in the team's output and what they were capable of doing. Now you'd like to think maybe that, although it may, might maybe a little bit lower, um, you'd be able to sustain um, a kind of consistent level of attacking performances even if key players aren't available because you've got other options there. I guess that's the benefit of it. Um, but as a, just at this stage with everybody available early into the campaign, it's just a little bit difficult to to ascertain which which way to go and, um, you know, how to keep everybody happy, I guess. You know, does Watkins, who's come into the Premier League, done really well playing in that, you know, up top, do, scoring, as you said, a lot of goals, probably unfortunate not to, not to get one or two more. You know, is it going to impact his morale a little bit if he's then pushed out to the left and mm. and has to do a job there? Um, you're right. It, you know, when it, when when Villa are in possession, could will that maybe? I mean, off that graphic there, could that I don't know look a little bit more like a like a four four two redrifts in and someone goes a little bit wide into his left area? You know, it, it, it's it's not static, is it? it, it mm, it's, yeah. it's fluid. It will will change. So the opportunities could still be there, but. Said it just it doesn't feel like it's black and white at the moment. How do you assess that eleven pack? Because I like three five two against Chelsea. I feel like that that works well and it, it suits Villa to a certain extent. But then I don't see how you fit Buendia, Bailey, and Troy into a three five two unless one of them plays as a second striker. But that's what Ings and Watkins are for. So I just, I can't make sense of it yet. Smith touched on it on his uh, in his press conference and said he basically did that to like set up the opponent he was playing. So like playing Chelsea, they play through the back all the time. So I think in this one, I don't know what Everton are going to play, but I know they had some success in 4-3-3 in the second half, as I said. So Villa and Villa have looked good in that same system. So like second half of Watford, Newcastle, 
And I think the midfield three of Ramsey, McGinn and Louise is probably quite solidified at the minute, given how well Ramsey is playing and Louise has looked good since he's come back and McGinn looks back to his best. But then again, the front three, yeah, I just have no idea what's going to happen. I'm the same as you and I think... I don't think he's get, ever going like, to shoehorn Watkins out wide. I don't think he's commented before and said, like, you've got a good striker wide, you push him out wide. But then again, I don't know if you drop Ings into, like, a playmaker role or something. I don't know. Or what what striker you want, not striker, winger you want tracking back because, obviously, Everton have posed such a threat on the counter. And if they are going to just like, ask us to come onto them and, like, us dominate possession, they'll probably be quite dangerous on the counter-attack like Watford were in the first half. So you need a winger that's ideally going to trap back and help cash and target as well. So if Buendia comes back in, it's probably because of that. Is that what we need to look out for, David, an Everton 4-3-3 side that are going to come to Villa Park and try and counter-attack us? Yeah, I'd I'd say so. I'd be very surprised if Everton went to Villa Park to try and dominate possession. Um, Yeah, I don't... Hence why I was a little bit nervous about the Burnley game because we haven't really seen much of that. And... Whilst I don't think I, I think to brand Benitez negative is is an unfair statement. Uh, I definitely think he he wants a side to be solid first and foremost, and then maybe build from there. Um, you know, going into maybe a little bit extreme to say the Lions then, but you know, we're we're still in that stage where fans are just getting back into the into the grounds, aren't they? So I imagine Villa Park is going to be bouncing. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like a really exciting game as well. You know, between two kind of fairly even sides um, so I expect it to be something that Villa fans will be right up for um, for that reason I expect Everton not to really try and be the more dominating side but yeah you know if, if you think maybe not so much in the, in the right back position anymore although he still offers something Seamus Coleman but if you look at the left back position with Luca Dean and this isn't bias you know I like to think quite objective but he, he's one of the best in that position in the Premier League he's a uh, Going forward, he's he's a consistent threat. Um, you know, his, his delivery is really good. Um, all different types as well. So, you know, dead balls in in play. Um, he's good with the cute passes or crossing balls into the box. He's just a consistent threat, and he likes to get forward. So, if you're potentially leaving him uh, free reign a little bit, or wingers are just switching off to his movements when the ball's turned over, he could punish you. Uh, obviously, it's a benefit for Villa that yeah he's not he's not aiming the ball towards Calvert Lewin, but on that side you got him, you got Richarlison, um, who kind of drift over to the left, or you you might see Richarlison just playing through the middle. Uh, he's he's really good in the air as well, so it's uh, it is something that you need to be aware of uh, because he is the type of player you can you can punish it if he's not if he's not tracked. Just want to mention Toramings um, because Smith's been asked about him today in his press conference. Now, uh, some Villa fans might be sick of hearing about it after we spoke about him for, for five or six minutes last week. So, I want to skip forward ahead a couple of minutes. Feel free to do so. Smith said he came into the dressing room and held his hands up. He made a mistake, and that happens in football. He saved us many times before. It's part of the game. So, yeah, I just want to get your your uh, neutral opinion on him, and then we'll uh, we'll close the show. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, it's really difficult for me, isn't it? Because um, I don't I don't watch. Every every Villa game, you know, I don't watch full ninety minutes. Don't get to properly study, you know, the the things that other people are picking up on. Mm. Uh, from an outsider looking in, I've I've, I've 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 always seen him as a fairly solid defender. To be honest, that in fact, I'm pretty sure with you and James, I, maybe six months ago, I, I said he's a defender that I really like on this show um, or one of these shows. Um, 
I haven't changed that much. I can appreciate um, what people are saying in terms of he's always got a mistake in him. Um, but it, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be a modern centre-back because um, it, it isn't just about hoofing the ball forward anymore. You know, It's about having a little bit more in possession, um, looking to be a little bit braver. And it can be difficult because your mistakes are often punished because of where you are on the pitch. You know, you're in the in your defensive third. Um, if ball's turned over there, it almost always leads to a dangerous attack. Um, obviously, got stung big time, didn't he, last week? I think he's still a really good defender. Um, and I think if he can just maybe cut, cut, cut these out, I don't know what's causing them. Is it concentration maybe? I don't know. But yeah, if he can cut so. that out, yeah. Because that... I think if you remove them and just judge him on his defensive capabilities, I think he's a good defender. You know, people can pick holes in the, in the likes of Southgate selection stuff, which they love to do. But I don't think he, he gets picked for the England team whilst playing for Villa. I don't mean that as disrespect to Villa, but it's always hard for us clubs outside the, you know, the kind of traditional top four, top six to get players into that England squad. For him to be getting picked in there and played as well, I think that's a testimony to the, the quality player he is. He's just maybe going through a little bit of a turbulent spell um, and he just needs to try and, if he can, shake it. We'll close with uh, score predictions then, David. Again, we'll let you go first to get the Everton bias out of the way because I'm sure oh that you're God. probably going to go with, with Everton win. Uh, so what do you think is going to happen Saturday yeah. season? I'm aware of the audience, so I'm going to be very careful. Um, <laughs> you want, mate. No, I don't, it, it's a really difficult game to predict, actually. Um, I expect Everton to avoid defeat, to be honest. Um, whether they have enough to win... I don't know. I think it's a really tricky fixture. I'll go for a entertaining two-all draw. I've also gone for a draw. I, I think one-all. So I'll take an entertaining game at Villa Park at least. But are you going to come in with a blind faith 3-0 Villa? No, I'm going to go blind optimist again and I'm going to go one-nil, but it's going to be a, like a set-piece goal. I think that's uh, where our goal is going to come from. I'll take it. I'll take anyone at this stage. It'll be a, a big result for Villa if we get it. May not be coming up next, and, and Chelsea in the cup as well. And um, David, as always, thank you very much for appearing on the Current Blue Podcast. We, uh, we, well, I can certainly speak for myself, but I love having you on. I'm pretty sure all the comments agree as well. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, mate, always enjoy it. Thank you, uh, and Pat. Thank you for bringing the, the stats, the stats side to the to the show as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. We'll see you again uh, next week, I'm sure. We'll be doing a post-match podcast. I don't know if it'll be Saturday night because it'll be a late one. Um, but if not, it'll certainly be by Monday. Um, so tune into the, the show to, to see what we think of the Everton game and hopefully three points. Uh, sorry, David. Thank you very much for watching and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.